mama, January 1985. This bitch is a creme de la creme of white pussy, isn't she, Jackson? All right. Yeah, that Hugh Hefner sure knows what the fuck he's doing, don't he? <laughs> yeah. You got that right. Hey, Jackson. What? She might be white, but she's right. I don't fuck. <laughs> Episode of the CV Podcast. I am one of your hosts today, Gary Hill, and uh, with me today and only today is Suzanne. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How's everything with you? Fine, fine. Uh, pretty mild summer, so I, I ain't mad at it. So. Oh, I know it's beautiful out. Uh, I just uh, yeah, I'll ask you first, I guess. Uh, what you've been watching lately? Oh God, I've started going through Parks and Rec again. Nice. I, I can't count how many times I've been through and watched the, the series, and it just it's just a great, great show. Great writing, and Ron Swanson is the man. Yeah, he's what I aspire to be one day. We'll see what happens, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been so busy moving, I barely have had a chance to sit down and watch very much, any, actually anything longer than like 30 minutes, because the time my ass hits chair, I'm asleep. Mm. Yeah, at least you guys are in your place and all your stuff is there, so that's good. Oh yeah, it's starting to look look like home. Most I've got a good portion of the boxes out of the living room and the dining room, so I'm pretty pleased about that. It's just you know settling in now. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the besides Parks and Rec girl. Oh God, uh, I can't even remember what we did for NFW. Tuesday night. Uh, Basket Case 3. Oh, that's right. We watched Basket Case 3. Thank you. Yes, and always a fun movie. I still like the first one and the second one the best, though. Yeah, the creature effects are a lot of fun in those, that second and third one, though. Yeah, and oh my god, the the baby Belials. I want a baby Belial. <laughs> I really and truly want a baby Belial. Somebody should sell those things. and let's They really should. Yes. <laughs> um. Let's see, what else? No, like I said, I've barely had a chance to sit down and watch anything. I've kept telling myself I bought Rawhead Rex last summer. And I have, I don't think I've even, actually, I did take the plastic off, but I have not had a chance to watch it. And I really want to try to get around to watching that this week. There's that, yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet, though. It's still still there. Yeah, I've got my confirmation that uh, 
the changeling shipped, so I should have that in my hot little hands in a few days. I got mine already. I don't want to hear it, Gary, damn it. And I didn't even pre-order it, you know. <laughs> but I got all the bells and whistles. I got pins. I got a poster. So I'm really, it's my, it's the ghost movie that all ghost movies get compared to. So like I'm really excited about that. Seems like I need that Christian Bale sound clip here. Good for you. You know, need, need that here, you know. <laughs> Uh, do it live. Do it live, people. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Oh, I I seen a couple of things. I watched um a movie I can't recommend because it's kind of terrible. Uh, Action Point was a movie that came out, and if you haven't heard of Action Point, there's a reason why because it kind of came and went and didn't do anything. Uh, <laughs> this is a movie that from from the previews I thought it was gonna be like a big stunt movie because Knoxville's in it. Uh, Chris Pontius is in it. That's about all the Jackass Creek in this movie, but you had to assume there was going to be more. But then what you got was the story about, I, I guess, Knoxville plays this character that owned this amusement park that I guess was a real thing. This amusement park in, in, in um, I want to say it's in New Jersey or Rhode Island, one of the two, one of those co- one of those uh, coastal towns, I think. And uh, it's supposed to be the most dangerous uh, park of all time. People have died here, apparently. Well, they, he made this this film about this this park, this supposed park, and it's not as boring as Adventure Land, but it's pretty close. <laughs> because you know you, you get a lot of stunts in there and stuff. A lot, a lot of like him doing pratfalls, like doing doing all these these things that he makes for this park, including a catapult and. Uh, uh, water slide with a loop de loop, which sounds kind of awesome, actually. That the force of a water slide can make you do a loop de loop, but uh, I don't know the physics of that works or not. I don't know. This is a film that wasn't very good, so I don't recommend it to people to watch. Uh, so action point, uh, stay away. I didn't pay to watch it, by the way. It's, it's just it's just kind of trash. Uh, what else is there? Uh, Disney had a massive massive sale on Voodoo, so I, I got a couple eight dollar ones. I'm sure you've seen a couple of them pop up on there, Suzanne. Oh, yes. Uh, I bought Romeo and Michelle this morning, so I watched that this morning because I felt like it. It's just there. And uh, that's still pretty fucking funny. Um, um, what else? There's, there's stuff. Uh, this is like the hardest part. I did not go see Jason Statham Shark Puncher like, like a lot of other folks did. I'm sure a lot of folks are seeing it today. So uh, I'll talk about that in my beefs of the week. About people whining about that fucking movie, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and why that is. Oh, it seems like I'm missing something. Um, <laughs> I watch so much of the same stuff over and over again because I need I need that movie just to turn on in the background when I'm doing other things. So it's kind of hard for me to remember all the all the the, the different stuff that I've watched. Um, and of course, TV is is non-existent right now because it's um. Summertime and they're all reruns still. So, who wants to yeah. sit? Who wants to sit through those sometimes? But I can't say that I got Men at Work for five dollars and I watched that too. And that that that's that's always a fine rewatch. <laughs> Surprisingly, hasn't been done on this show yet. Uh, eventually, we'll get to it. Hopefully, sometime in the winter time, they'd be kind of great. Uh, so many plans, people, and uh, it's all about executing them. But uh. I'll leave it at that. There, there's there's other stuff I'm sure, but I'm I'm terrible to remember this, and I'm I'm really tired to tell you the absolute truth. But uh, what we'll get into next is a segment you all know and love. 
known as the Beef Bitches and Mashed Potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. Who the barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Suzanne, what's your beef it on, girl? Um, actually, very little this week. Um, it's just been unpacking. No one's really gone out of their way to piss me off, which is really, it's nice sometimes. Yeah, it's always yeah. good. Um, I, I can't wait to hear what your, I can't wait to hear your Meg go off. I'm looking forward to this. Because the thing that pisses me off about Meg, it should just be Meg. Not the Meg. The book was called Meg. Not the Meg. <laughs> Who the fuck thought that adding the the to that title was going to be like the 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 kicker? I'm like, are you that? It's stupid. It absolutely is completely stupid as hell. I well, hate that the. Uh, I think this is partially a Chinese production, so I guess they needed that the to add a little something, something, a little flavor to to stew there. I guess, you know. But it's it's stupid. It's ridiculous. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm uh, apparently I'm gonna I'm gonna help you bitch on this one. Okay. Oh no, I, I messed that up already. Uh, yeah, my beef is not necessarily with the Meg. It's just it's more like the people complaining about the Meg, like they expected like this big, you know, gore fest from a film that they made PG thirteen. Not intentionally, because they said that they filmed a whole different movie. Not a whole different movie, but no, a whole different scenes. that were a lot more gory and stuff. But you got to remember the person that made this movie, that directed this movie, is uh, John Turtletub, who's, no, who's known for the National Treasure series and uh, Rush Hour, Sorcerer's Apprentice. These are films that I enjoy. It's just they're more family-oriented than... A gory shark film, and yeah, I, and you know, and I know people, the people that are listening to this podcast right now, that this is how they sell Blu-rays. They can tell you till they're blue in the fucking face that oh, this footage will never be included in the movie until you fuckers get your grubby little hands on the Blu-ray and it says the version you didn't see in theaters. You know, they've been doing this since like 1991 giving you that version that you didn't see in theaters on VHS or DVD or Blu-ray, whatever format there is, they give it to you. I mean, it's as cheesy as they look, and they and they, 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 they fixed it now, but, you know, The Exorcist, the version you've never seen, they added yeah. those scenes back in, the supposed lost scenes, the supposed lost scenes in Nightbreed they found, you know... Eventually, hey, I'm I'm one of those people that was waiting with bated breath for the Nightbreed cut. I mean, they 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 said that oh these are on the cutting room floor they got destroyed, yada yada yada. Well, that was a big fucking lie, wasn't it? Because they fucking found that shit too. And this this they're all filmed on digital now, so they can look good in 4K and 3D and yada yada yada. So all that shit is still available. So when the Blu-ray comes out, you guys are all gonna fucking buy it. Because you want to see this other version. You know, this is how they make their money twice. Or release the rated version, and then like six months later say, here's the unrated version that you've all waited for. So either you're going to get sucked in, like like a you're, like crazy Scream Factory collector. That's another, that's another beef I'm going to talk about too. I don't care. It's, it's just crazy. But um, 
or, or, or you just won't watch the movie. But either way, they have to make these this popcorn Jason Statham Shark Puncher movie for peep for for thirteen year old fourteen year old fucktards to go see it on a Sunday afternoon without their parents. They 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 made it for you, but at the same time they didn't make it for you. So I don't I don't know what world you're living in, but I know we live in a world where so much stuff becomes available, you know, and or, or you could find these lost scenes somewhere or lost scripts places and whatever, you know, there's a lot of films like, like the biggest, the biggest story is, uh, you know, George Romero's Day of the Dead was supposed to be a whole different movie, but guess what? They didn't have the money to do what they wanted to do. Well, it's not the easiest now. I mean, to, to market an R-rated film and, and for it to make, the 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 hundred and probably the hundred and twenty million dollars it made to make the Meg. I'm sure it, it cost a pretty penny to make that movie. They they got to look at that 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 box office dollar. They got to look at you know this that or the other is it a viable thing that they could franchise. So maybe if the Meg does well, and I hear that it's doing very very well, the next one will get an R rating, and you'll get the the, the gory fucking shark film that you want. And I don't know about you, I don't want a bunch of CG blood in any film. And that was to be all you would get in that fucking movie. That shark is not going to eat a child, you know? You're not gonna, and that sucks. You're not, you're not going to get Quint at the end of Jaws, where you hear the crunch of the bones and stuff like that. You're not going to get that, you know? So just keep keep living that dream with the Meg, because it ain't going to happen. It's just, just not going to happen. Uh, Suzanne, uh, your rebuttal, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh no, I I agree. I I'm so tired of this. I mean, I I like R-rated movies. I want blood and guts. And to be honest, you know, with a shark movie, you're not going to get like well, you're going to get that little plume of blood. But it's a megalodon. It's going to swallow you whole. You know, there's really <laughs> no question about that. But I'm just like I said, the it's. And you're, you're completely correct because I've seen that happen a lot too. You know, the version you've never seen. Ask me how many copies of the other, the, the Exorcist, the beginning, and then you get the one that um, the other director did. So, yeah, I ended up like triple buying. And I think it's total bullshit. It is. It really is. Oh, man. Yeah, the other thing is that fucking, um, that thing with the Scream Factory does. Scream Factory is doing this thing now where they... And they, they started this with the Ninja 3 thing, which I, I forget if that new, better-looking cut with new extras is out. Trying to people, trying to make, I guess trying to make folks buy Ninja 3 twice. The latest one is The Thing. But they're doing this with, with uh, I guess they're doing this with Night of the Demons as well, give you a brand new scan of the movie. When The Thing came out from Scream Factory, a couple months later, I think it was, Arrow put theirs out with a 4K scan rather than their 2K scan. Now, I know this is the thing. I mean, I think Second Sight is putting out the Changeling in in the UK. I'm sure that they got together with Severin, and they're using their transfer of the film, or at least, you know, working together in that way. Because I doubt that, that many people are going to work on the, the, the Changeling like that without saying, hey, let me borrow the, 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 the print that you have, and maybe I can improve on it or whatever. I know Synapse is notorious for doing that, like, using other people's prints. Not without their permission, I'm not dissing Synapse. But, you know, they borrow from Arrow, Arrow borrows from them. It's a big circle. But the fact that Scream Factory is saying, hey, look at our fancy steelbook. You want to buy it again a year later? It's kind of horseshit. 
when the, the, oh I, I I agree completely yeah it's just it's, it's, it's just ridiculous I mean people people will go out there and I, I don't think they're gonna spend money on this steel book I mean it looks all right you know but anybody who has their worth this worth their weight in salt has already had that has that arrow edition that has other extras on it I I, I don't have it myself I, I want to pick it up because um our friend Mike White and El Goro have a, a commentary track on there. So eventually I'm going to get it because I, I want that on, on there. And uh, I want to listen to that because they're very knowledgeable about, their, their, about the film and they did a great podcast about it. And that's how they got the job. So Arrow was that, that impressed that they, they gave him the job. So for that, I'll buy it. But the fact that Screen Factory is doing this, granted, it's a lot of titles that I don't have or they got stolen, like Halloween 2 and Halloween 3. And Night of the Demons, and now the thing I I still own the thing though, so it doesn't matter. But um, I'll rebuy those for the fact that I don't have them. But I feel sorry for the ones that have them already. Spent cold hard cash on. I know all these guys pre-ordered didn't get the poster and the special slip cover and the special Michael Myers studded dildo that comes with that thing, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and uh, all all the bells and whistles that come with it, but. It's it's just not fair to, to to the consumer that 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 they're just going off and doing this and and uh yeah but it's up to, again it's up to you uh, sheeple consumers if you really want that 4K scan and you guys want to go buy that I know a lot of folks complain about it in Scream Factories I've seen their their responses in in the Facebook chat there are not very convincing is why they didn't put this version out to begin with. It's just really asinine. So at a business standpoint, if you're gonna charge twenty six dollars or something, I, I think that you should like offer the people who bought it already, like, here look, here's uh the the the, 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 the picture or whatever that I own this. Maybe you should give me that third disc at a discount price. Maybe they should do that. Instead of making them buy a whole brand new goddamn edition. This is like the Evil Dead series all over again with Anchor Bay, where they released 27 different versions of it. <laughs> and people just kept fucking buying them. You know, this one's in a 10. This one's the Army of Darkness director's cut. I'll give Scream Factory one thing. They took all those fucking versions, and they put them in one edition of Army of Darkness. You never need to buy another edition ever again. Because they took it and they put it all in one package. So... So I'll, I'll give them that. They put out a fine product, but sometimes they got their head up their own asses about, you know, yada, yada, yada. Let's release another edition that's a little bit better than this edition, and let's see if these suckers will buy it. And I'm I'm not a fan of that. Just, you could be con, 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 uh, b -b -b um, concentrating on releasing other titles, maybe some, some great lost titles, like I know Jamie Champions Fatal Games uh, never has a release. Go after stuff like that. Or could have went after the Changeling before, you know, I'm sorry, a small, small company like Severin just took that from under you when you could have took that classic film and, made it in, in, and bought the rights and made it your own. That would have been a big release from Scream Factory. But they don't oh, think, I agree. They don't think about shit. They think about shit like Darkman 2, you know, that, that, no, that nobody wants. I've been so disappointed with what Shout Factory is offering lately. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the same shit over and over. And, and as you said, they have like three or four different copies of the thing. They've got, you've got your steel book. You've got the standard, you've got the collector's one. I'm like, they've, they've, really? got, they've gotten better as far as like choosing which titles to pick to put out 
like this year, like I, they actually have me excited about a couple of them. It, last year too, they had, they put American Gothic out, which I still do not own yet, but I'm gonna get it eventually. You know. Well, like I said, I I going back to titles I'd like to see. I mean, I've got a DVD of Tourist Trap, but I love that goofy little movie. Hell, I'd love to see Prophecy, the or the '70s one. You know, these are really good movies that really, really could use a nice proper blue release. And I know that some somebody bought when when the when the Weinstein's went under, somebody bought a whole bunch of titles for like next to nothing. I know they did. I know I know the the Kevin Smith stuff and the Tarantino stuff went for for like nothing. So I can imagine these these smaller titles, these smaller horror titles for the '90s and stuff. You know, they're putting out stuff, I think in the next slate of releases, they have the whole Urban Legend trilogy. I, I don't need that in my life. I don't either. I, I barely need the first one. The first one, which I haven't seen in a long time, so I shouldn't talk too much shit about it. Because I remember enjoying it. I remember enjoying the premise of it. It's but, like preteen. It's preteen horror. What's well, the 90s? It's the 90s. It's the stuff that begat Scream. But it's better than I know what you did last summer. I, 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 can, I can say that. But, um, My cat using the litter box is better than I, I know what you did last summer. How do you feel about I still know what you did last summer? <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I think I have one more because this this is just um this is just something else. Um, uh, what is what's the girl's name from Orange Is the New Black? The tattooed one, uh, R- Ruby um, Ruby Rose is her name. I I'm, I haven't watched the new no, season yet. No, this is yet. like from like last season. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure that's that girl's name, but she is slated to to play on yet another DC uh, DC television show that I will probably watch on the CW. Uh, Batwoman. She's slated to play Batwoman, and an openly gay Batwoman because she is openly gay herself. And I'm a little I'm I'm not I'm not saying people if you're listening if if you're living another lifestyle that's not a straight person that you shouldn't be out and proud I'm saying <laughs> you should be you should be all day long but sometimes the 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 the, the way the media the media spins a story it it doesn't benefit the person because Ruby Rose uh, <laughs> another person left Twitter because uh, of all the the hate speech that she was getting. Over this character being gay and why why are you being this character yada yada yada, it's 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 ridiculous and you know the media it it, it goes back to that thing where we talked about Scarlett Johansson a couple episodes back you know where they say she's gonna play this 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 person that's that's trans and you know what these these trans people are complaining and you know the whole idea of you know if they got a trans person they would really play that in the media saying we got a real trans person to play this trans character yada yada yada. Well, the fact that the media got their hands on this, and I'm sure a bunch of hateful people who had no idea who she was, just for the fact that she was gay and it was in the news because it was all over my feed. All over my fucking Facebook feed. And that's fine. Fucking push it, you know? But don't do not do the thing to where you say, hey, she's going to be in the, a gay on the show, so guess what? We got ourselves a genuine gay to play her. You know, I, I know it, it it helps, and this is a real thing with net, with major networks people, where they have to have so much gay content on their networks that they're legally obligated to have so much gay content on their networks. And I figured this would be a big push for them to have, okay, this one's openly gay, you know, this, that, the other, yada, yada, yada. And that's fine. 
Yeah, I love I love having openly gay characters on TV. I mean, Modern Family has worked for for eight seasons, and they don't throw it in your face. You know, they're 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 they're, they're gay, but they're 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 loving characters that you can get behind. But the whole idea of of this the social media thing, just tearing people down, it's it's the media's fault. It's just it's just the fact that they 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 put the story out there. And like I said, I have no problem with them putting the story out there, but the fact that they're exploiting the fact that she's gay for their own for their own gay agenda on this network is is has turned this woman away from Twitter, which is not necessarily a bad thing, people. I mean a lot of folks are leaving social media, but the fact that people are just saying shitty things about her. I don't know this woman. She, she could be a real bitch, but I don't know this. All I know that the reason why people are talking shit about her is the fact that she's gay. And that's it. And it's fucking crazy that they can stand by this fucking quap of the internet and just talk this shit to this person. But she could probably fuck them up and if they're standing right in front of her. No. Yeah. No, everyone can hide behind a keyboard now. <laughs> Man, it's a crazy situation. So, Ruby, you're always an internet listening, but I hope you do well because uh, everything Greg Berlanti touches, with the, with the exception of Supergirl, which I still think is a pretty shit, shitty show. I hate that fucking show so much. <laughs> She just stands there like a jackass. I hope in your Supergirl prowess, uh, I mean your Bat, your Batwoman prowess, that you don't stand there like a jackass. And you might kick somebody in the face. That, that's my dream of dreams, anyway. Is for you to kick somebody in the face and uh, and not smile and put your hands on your hips like a jackass. That, that'd be be real push for me to enjoy the show. Oh, yay, women! Yay. Uh, <laughs> I'm done ranting. I knew I was going to get some good rants in this show because I, I was angry about a couple things and, you know, whatever. Mm. But today it's another Beef Out of the Canon show. Number three, where we're going to cover two films that have nothing to do with each other except for the fact that they were released by those crazy Israelis. Uh, <laughs> um, we might as well start off on a low note and end on a high note. The first one we're going to discuss tonight is the Billy D. Williams Robert Carradine vehicle, number one with a bullet. And the next one after that that we're going to discuss is the, the I thought it was great. We're, we're going to get into this. Uh, the John Voight, Eric Roberts, Psycho John P. Ryan, hobo-looking Rebecca De Mornay. God, she's unattractive in this movie. Runaway Train from 1985. <laughs> and we're going to get into that number one with a bullet right after this. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. 
Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Their prime witness has been murdered. Each contact made has been silenced. And now, they have become the targets. To Burzak and Hazeltine, the vice of Miami may be one thing, but L.A. is definitely murder. Robert Carradine, Billy D. Williams, number one with a bullet. They made their reputations the hard way. They earned them. With style. I ain't afraid of no jive cop. Oh, finesse. I am not your normal cop. And determination. People told us you like to talk when you get high. Are we high enough yet, Bobby? Over to the side of the road and freeze. Told you don't say freeze. It only kicks him off. They're after the man at the top. We haven't got a shred of evidence to prove he even kicks his dog. And the higher they get, you a dead man, berserk. The harder the climb. And the homicide hit parade. You are number one with a bullet. Number one with a bullet. Starring Robert Carradine, Billy D. Williams, and Valerie Bertinelli. Number one with a bullet. Uh, number one with a bullet from 1987. Your cheapo plot synopsis for this cheapo fucking film is this. A pair of detectives is, a pair of detectives is assigned to investigate a murder and discover a trail of corruption and criminal activity that leads right back to their own police department. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, Robert Carradine stars in this. Billy D. Williams. Valerie Bertinelli. Bertinelli, I'm sorry. Peter Graves. Doris Roberts. And that's about the size of it. Yeah, John Grease shows up. L looking very hairy in this movie. But, um, this is directed by Jack Smite, who made, <laughs> who made good films. <laughs> that's not this film. I'm going to get it right now. The, the Illustrated Man, uh, Harper with Paul Newman, Damnation Alley. These are films that I enjoy. Unfortunately, this film was not very good. Um, you, want, you want a bootleg cop movie uh, of other films that were made? <laughs> well, let, let's get this. I would call this a lethal weapon ripoff, and I still will, because this came out in February, I think it said, of 87, while Lethal Weapon came out in March. And that just means those crazy Israelis beat them to the punch as far as their release date goes. Because they had to know that this biracial cop movie that's similar to theirs, even in soundtrack, w was coming out. And you say, we gotta hurry up and make this. You know, because, the, again, they notoriously beat beat out Beat Street from MGM by putting out Breakin' first. And, uh, so they're, they're not below this. But... Suzanne, I'll ask you first. What do you think of this subpar interracial cop movie? <laughs> um, I, I think subpar is giving it too much credit. I, I, Billy D. Billy D. Williams is Billy D. Williams. You know, it was. I, I was like watching him. I could not, for the life of me, buy Robert Carradine as a hard-ass cop. I couldn't buy that for a second. When he started acting all tough, I started laughing. Yeah, because his voice kept going up, so it was hilarious. It was. It was... This was just not a good movie. I... The, it was so... I telegraphed. 
It's like from the beginning, it's like, yeah, somebody's it's you, you knew it was going to be somebody in the police department. And they were they were they were so vague about what was actually going on, too. I mean, that they must have forgot to write that part of the script. It was drugs. But what kind of drugs? Where were they coming from? Where were they going to? But it was it once again, it was just drugs. No plot, nothing. Well, they said just, they said black tar and China white, which are, were very big terms back in these days, you know. Yeah, they said that, but I mean, once again, it's like, it's I, like I don't know. I, I just it's found like, it. It's like somebody watched Miami Vice and they found some terms that mean drugs and they put them in the script, you know. Yeah, because I was going to say, I, 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 I thought it looked like it was filmed in Florida, but apparently it was supposed to be L.A., but it looked like Florida to me. I, this... It was just not a very good movie. There was no, it had no soul. It was slapped together, obviously, really quickly. And like I said, I mean, they were just incredibly vague with everything. You know, at least give me a little something. And like I said, I Robert Carradine should never, ever, ever try to play a hard-ass cop again because that just, no, did not work at all. I love Robert Carradine death, but now uh, a lot of things, ever since we covered Massacre at Central High, all I see are the, like those, the hair around his nipples, that's all I see is like <laughs> Robert Carradine's nipples just sticking out like flying saucers or something, you know? <laughs> oh, man. And, and Bella Bertinelli, this must have been, you know, in that little in-between area before she started doing Lifetime movies. Yeah, it had to be. I don't know when just, I don't know when One Day at a Time ended, but, um... Probably early '80s, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Uh, this film, this film. You, you do you like *Lethal Weapon*? Do you like *Running Scared*? Do you like *Nighthawks*, which Billy D. Williams was also in? Then you're gonna fucking hate this fucking movie, because let me tell you, it like takes all those movies, all the things you love about those movies, and just sucked the fun out of all of it. I mean, cause these are two characters that don't have chemistry. None. They're they're not they're not likable at all. Maybe Billy D a little bit, but even then you can just tell he was collecting a check. I mean, and uh, Robert Carradine in this movie is he's trying real hard as far as trying to be a hard ass, but it's just not like not believable. He he can't he can't he can't play the heavy in a film like this. I think the only time I ever liked him playing the heavy was um. When he was in body bags in the only good segment of that movie where he was uh, stalking the girl in the gas station. That's uh I think that was like the only good part good good part that he had played as a heavy was playing that killer guy in the gas station. Um the whole thing with, you know, of course he hasn't talked to his mother in a month, so we get to hear Doris Roberts on an answering machine for a good five minutes of this hour and forty. She was that that was the highlight of this movie. <laughs> It was like five minutes of this hour and forty minute runtime, though, of him. That was of him that just, was the only highlight of this movie for me was Doris Roberts and him just being disgusting, listening to these messages from his mother, not cooking. He has like a giant like piece of like round steak or something that he's eating raw with a knife and fork, just listening to his mother ramble on about you never call me. You know I'm not well. Yada yada yada. I mean, it was your classic nagging mother, which Doris Roberts can play to a T. So, if anybody played their role real well, it was her and Peter Graves as the captain played. You know, the same captain that you see in all these movies, but he he played it like real fine. As far as this is your job, this is the script you're given. 
Now go play the disgruntled captain of these two fucking screw-ups. And he, he played it real well. Um, I couldn't even tell you to play the bad guy because it, it really wasn't, you know, really, really wasn't it, identified who was the bad guy until the very end of the movie by saying, hey, there's corruption inside the department. And hey, there's this Chinese guy and this other guy and this other guy. Yeah, there was that dude in the mansion that I... I guess he was supposed to be one of the bad guys. Yeah, it's it's very confusing. Usually in films like this, yeah, you have the one guy you're going after, you know, and he has his cronies, of course, you know, but you have that one identifiable person who is supposed to enlist some kind of dread in you, you know, as far as, like, this is your bad guy and he's supposed to be dangerous, but all he does is, like, you know, let's hilariously, you know, try to crush your car or let's blow up uh, uh, Robert Carradine's car, and I, that was the worst. <laughs> well, that, would, that was so she terrible. Goes, she goes to open the door of the car for poor Valerie, Valerie Bertinelli. She has, this is like the worst acting I've seen as far as like car explosion goes, because it blows up once, and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm slightly shaken, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm still okay. <laughs> and, and then it blows up again. And then he's like carrying away, and she's clearly okay. She's clearly like I had a, like maybe got like some slight burns on my face, but I'm still I can still walk and stuff. The fucking next scene, she's laying in a hospital bed with a fucking tube in her mouth. It's like oh, I'm dying, you know. <laughs> it's like no, that didn't happen in the last scene. You, you you were clearly okay enough to walk. You weren't thrown from the car. You weren't nothing. And then you you go like one scene later, and he's like. Did you did you get him yet, honey? But she's like the biggest doormat of this entire movie, even even more than the mother is in this movie, because he, he he keeps coming back and he keeps you know saying, "Hey, you want to go to dinner?" Like, no, you're a shitty person. Why would I want to go anywhere with you? Like, you can see why they weren't together anymore. But all of a sudden, uh, this this really bad businessman slash drug kingpin, you know, br brought them together again by exploding his car in her face. <laughs> precisely the reason why they broke up because he wouldn't stay out of danger because what does he call him what do they call him um, chaos or something I, I forget uh, I'll know when I see the asshole's name oh berserk they call him I forget his first name but they, they, his nickname is berserk because his last name is Barzak you know so that's what they all refer to him as because he's real loose cannon who's really not a loose cannon uh <laughs> One thing I'll give this film is that the squibs are excellent. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that's where the money went because it obviously didn't go into the script. Yes. When somebody gets shot in the, ch in the, in the belly with a shotgun, you see that the belly explode. It, it, you yeah. know, it, it's really great. But then again, the, the, <laughs> there's certain scenes, like the part where the, the guy did the whole... I'm going to sneak in through the window and kill this witness thing. And he had the whole glass-cutting circular thing. And he's just shooting folks with this silencer. I agree with court. Silencers do not make that noise. But then again, they just frantically shoot this person. Like, maybe they should have kept him for questioning. He's <laughs> like the worst cops on the planet. And, and Robert Carradine's like the worst friend on the planet because there's like two or three scenes in this film. Oh, yeah, where he calls up and... You know, says shit to Billy D's dates. Oh, he, he, he does. He does two voices in the three three voices in this film. He does the regular Robert Carradine voice. He does 
the 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 jive voice to to get the 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 guy defense's apartment, which was uh, <laughs> I hope to find the clip, and of course the effeminate gay man's voice to to again stop him from getting another getting another piece. Uh, I would have dropped this friend a long time ago. This is Billy D. Williams in the eighties. This this is this was the time to fuck for Billy D. Williams. <laughs> this was yes. <laughs> Lando Calrissian. Colt 45 drinking fucking Billy D. Williams. This is the time to get rid of this friend. I'll say, okay, bye, friend. That That's just making me lose pussy all over town. You know? Ugh. This is a garbage friend. This is supposed to be his friend. I mean, the the other at least at least these other films, even Money Train is better than this film. That's really hard for me to say. Because at least Woody and, and, and Wesley had chemistry. Riggs and Murta had chemistry. Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal had chemistry in these films, and they made these two, and they made you like them. Had zero. They made you like them, you know. And these ones, you don't have that, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It's just there. Blah. They're just these, these characters that ha- have no business, you know, being friends anymore. Even just from the stuff that you've seen in this film, and they they work together as partners. As, as shitty cops, there's the the one scene where they're invading a bingo hall, and Robert Carradine's in drag, and it's just, yeah that was that uh, that was I did not ever need to see that. Oh, that's ugly. That's not pretty at all, man. They it, it's like they didn't even try. Again, they took some of the best parts of these movies and just put them in this movie. You know, I mean, Sly and Drag is an ugly thing in Nighthawks, but they 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 did it, and the scene worked. Because guess what? They got the very apparent bad guy in the movie because of it. And, um, yeah, this movie's just garbage. I wouldn't recommend watching it. But if you want to watch it, if you desperately need to see number one with a bullet, it is free to watch on YouTube at your disposal as of the time of this recording. And, uh, but I'll tell you right now, it's an hour and 40 minutes of your life and you will not get back. Yeah, I noticed that when I watched it. It's like, I, I thought it would be a quick 90 minutes and over. No, that... That extra fifteen minutes drags. And it's a, you think it's over, and it's not. And it's a shame because there's a lot of great action set pieces in this movie. Like you know, the it, like I said, the whole thing was it was wasted, completely wasted. I, that's why I think I had so little to say about it because there there, there were there's nothing here. I think what I saw that that, that James Belushi had a writing credit on the film. I think I knew I was in trouble then. I, yeah, I, really I saw did. that, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> so, because originally, I think in the, the INDV they said that he was supposed to play the part of Robert Carradine. Now, this is '87, James Belushi. You know, he's making like the principal, and like, um, what's the dramatic one that he did that he was decent uh, in? Um, right around this well, time, the, short, uh, the one with Schwarzenegger. No, well, he's good on that too, but he's he plays that obnoxious guy. Belushi can play obnoxious. Yeah, but Robert Carradine is not the best at it, you know. This, this, like I said, this movie, I, I, I just have so little to say about it. Like, one to ten, what do you give it, Sue? Um, I'm giving it one point five, and that is only for Doris Roberts. She was very cute. And, she was wait, very cute in this movie. And Peter Graves, because he, he actually seemed like the most professional in the entire cast. Well, him and Doris Roberts. Yeah. I'm sorry. They've been in the business forever to, to, to know, okay, this is, we've done a lot of scripts in the past. 
especially Peter Graves, where he just took this. And I, I have so much respect for Peter Graves, not just in, in this movie, but an airplane where he's just saying those lines so straight. And, you know, we, this is an airplane review, but I wish I, wish I was watching airplane watching this movie. You know, if that means anything. You know? Yeah, I... Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's not because of Peter Graves' performance. Ah, uh, this movie for me gets a... I'll give it, um... Oh, wow. It's not good. I'm gonna give it a three, though. Because, um... Just some folks were really trying to make this a good movie, and it just it just kept it just kept failing. And I just you really think so? It, I did not. I, I didn't see that at all in this movie. And I just kept, the I whole just, thing was thrown together. It was like I said, it was vague. I just kept you know at least give me a little something. I just kept checking the time, and it just kept going. I know. <laughs> and Pat watched it with me, and I think Pat fell asleep like twenty minutes in. <laughs> he was the lucky one. <laughs> Saxophone. <laughs> like that, they, they stole they stole that lethal weapon thing before lethal weapon came out, and that is that is shameful because people that have seen this movie, I, I feel bad for, for the person that's seen this movie first and then saw lethal weapon, and then said that thing. Well, they stole the soundtrack from number one with a bullet. I was like, no, that's just a retarded person, and not in the special needs sense, but the person that said that is just. So stupid, it's beyond comprehension, you know. I'm not going to take a shower for this movie. But uh, <laughs> next, uh, we're going to do a, a much, much better movie, which is Runaway Train from 1985. And we'll get right on that track right after this. Hey, Paul, what I was thinking is that we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request. Make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing, and we have a backstory? And but well, I don't know. That might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks and yeah, and, yeah. Well, what about I like it. Maybe instead of you know doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself, and maybe Ooh. he can you know just record a promo for us sometime. Do you think? I, I mean, I, we might have to like raise some money. We can do a Kickstarter, and we could just throw it out to like Robert England and you know sure, just sure. just all kinds of actors and and I think people will do that I think sure why not well you know what I don't know maybe we're overthinking this whole thing how about if we just tell people where to find us I like that you can find us at who will survive on iTunes Stitcher on the Legion podcast network and on the raw live and unedited podcasting network also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name oh wait can we do it underwater oh, with that, piranhas killing me that would kind of be brutal and if that doesn't work then you can do the regular promo all right well just get in the water and i'll go get some fish all right cool Journey you will ever take. Don't kill. 
let me do it. Has just begun. Ah, smile, man, we're free. We make a hell of a team, don't we, man? I don't know nothing from nothing. Being around me is really stupid. I'm in war with the world, everybody in it. I don't know what happened, but there's no engineer on this train. There's nobody on this train but us. The brake shoes have burned off. The overspeed control must have gotten screwed up, Amy. Engineers do not just croak. You want to be a tough guy? You want to be a legend? Go back! Suck it, come on! Let's have some fun. <laughs> you want to shoot me? Shoot me! Shoot the kid! Come on, you don't get us at stake is their spirit, their freedom, and their lives. John Voigt, Eric Roberts, Rebecca de Mornay, Runaway Train. A film by Andrei Konchalovsky. Runaway Train from 1985. Uh... Cheapo plot synopsis is this. Two escaped convicts and a female railway worker find themselves trapped on a train with no brakes and nobody driving. Ah, uh, this film starts <laughs> John Voigt, uh, Eric Roberts, who we all know is the fucking man, uh, Rebecca De Mornay, uh, John P. Ryan, actor I love so much, T.K. Carter, uh, Eddie Bunker shows up in this film, Tiny Zeus Lister shows up in this film, Danny Trejo shows up in this film, a who's who of actors that have actually been in prison. But I... <laughs> um, yeah, this film uh, won awards, and it was nominated for an Oscar. It's one of not many canon films can say that. Um, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll ask you again, Suzanne, to go first on this one, because there's just the two of us, and I'll uh, ask you, what do you think of Runaway Train? It's a much better film, isn't it? It would definitely. When it was a first time watch for me, and I like I, I like action adventure movies, and this one really is takes off like a runaway train. You get your prison fighting scene, and I I think I that I found that one of the most enjoyable characters was Eric Roberts. Yeah, because he was so I mean he was so intense and he had that accent going on. Oh yeah, and he was you could tell he just looked up to John Voight so much. I need some shoes, and, man. I need some shoes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go and um, it was it was a, definitely interesting. I really enjoyed it a lot. Once again, though, I did think it had a problem with time. I think it got a little long. Yeah, yeah it kept my attention though for, for the whole time, which I, I can't say the same thing about the last film. Yeah, because I watched these two back to back. And it was. I, hope you watch, I wish I'd, I hope you watched this second. Did you watch this second? Yes. Okay. I wish I'd watched it first. <laughs> okay. Because I was a little drained by the time we got around to Runaway Train. Mm -hmm. But I, I really liked Eric Roberts' character, and the prison guard, the prison warden, was kind of a psychopath. Oh. I liked him a lot. I love John especially, P. Ryan. So many things. Oh yeah, I and I actually had to go and look him up because I'm. I was playing that game with myself. I was like, I know that guy. Mm -hmm. I know that guy. What have I seen that guy in? And he, when he, that one guy's like, well, I can't do anything. And this is my control room. And then he goes in the bathroom and just kicks his ass. Straight up, straight up swirlies him. Yep. Just kicks his ass. And 
I that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I don't know why. It's maybe it's the the inner bully in me or something. <laughs> but this one was really really good. I have to admit, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. And I just I, I just found Eric Roberts just be so good in this. Just kind of kind of dopey, kind of punch drunk. Just uh, he reminded me of the cartoon. The, remember the cartoon dogs? You had the big bulldog and the little dog. Yeah, they were on Tom and Jerry. Yep, he reminded me of the little dog. Okay. And it was. Uh, it was I have to admit, uh, Rebecca De Mornay, and we spoke about that earlier, was completely unattractive and looked like a hobo. Yes. Which I guess that's you know they did a good job. I mean, I didn't believe her as, like, a, a railway worker, especially in 1985, to be, like, the only person on this train. What, what was she doing on this train? This is a train that was supposedly, I think it was supposed to be supposedly decommissioned or be worked on or something like yeah. that. But um, Yeah, she was in there taking a nap. Yeah. So she just seemed like a traveling hobo and not a railway worker, but all of a sudden she knew all this knowledge about this train. Yeah. What else, Sue? I'm yeah, sorry. I'm- Oh, it's it's okay. Like it's it's been a few weeks since I've seen it, so I'm like trying to recall at least a, a couple of things about it. I yeah, it's a good movie. It's the the se- the sequences with the train are amazing, um, and you know it's I I like I kind of was at the point I watched this reading a lot of books that took place in Alaska and in the cold, so it kind of fit into that too, and it was. I, it was good. I am, like I said, struggling to recall a few things since I can't find my notes. Uh, I'm sorry. You lost <laughs> it's okay. Notes. I had them the other day, but I also moved some stuff around, and now I can't find them. Oh, <laughs> I'll try to pick up some slack for, for you here. Uh, All right. Thank you. Runaway Train, again, it was it was the first time watching me as well. I You can listen to more about this. It's probably more an in-depth review on Eric Roberts is the fucking man episode number two with our friend Doug Tilly, and I think a different co-host that's not Liam on those early episodes. But uh, go check that out uh, for a friend of the program, if you will. Um, yeah, I, I, I like this film from pretty much from the beginning to the end because basically you got this character Manny, who I guess has been in solitary for a long time. I think no, no, he he escaped already. He knows what they're going with there because he escaped once before. But he, they throw him right back in general population again. Apparently, he has a lot of enemies. And you had that great scene where he gets stabbed in the hand of the boxing match. You just see the knife go through. Where Eric Roberts is fighting a very bull cut, bull, bull haircut shaped uh, uh, Danny Trejo in, in this scene. Very young Danny Trejo. He probably just got out of prison because I know he, I know he did some time and then, then he became an actor. But it was really strange not seeing Danny Trejo with his signature long locks and, uh, but wearing this this very bull haircut and very thin too. But you 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 I I spotted it right away. His senorita tattoo. So I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. That's Trejo. It's it's no denying it. You know. <laughs> oh, but Manny Manny's an intense character. John Boyd's character in this film. It's kind of hard to say who's the most intense because him and Eric Roberts are just who who um. They're just uh, competing for who who could be the most intense in this movie. Well, them them and John John P. Ryan, who just plays this this. I know I've seen a lot of Psycho Wardens to the T, 
And there's been a lot of them over the years, but I think some of the best ones are in the 80s and the early 90s. I mean, he oh, yeah. he, he, he rivals... My, one of my favorite Psycho Wardens is, is Donald Sutherland in Lockup. He's one of my favorite ones. And he just plays that so well. Like, yeah, he's going to get his man no matter what by even cra- crashing a helicopter into a train. Where they, that, that, final sh- that final showdown is, is pretty great when he thinks that He's gonna stop the train, but he'd rather die on the train with this fucking asshole, and who just oh man, he plays he plays great asshole. But then again, so does John Voight in this movie, who um, you know who has this fucking basically this little kid hanging around with him because Eric Roberts was not supposed to escape with him, but he he went along anyway. And <laughs> you get the hilarious scene of Eric Roberts trying to find clothes in the lockers. Is <laughs> that so screwed? Like, I gotta find some shoes, man. You know the whole thing. You know, <laughs> I need the shoes. And I, he finds the hooch in the locker. It's like, yeah, he finds a little fit of something. He's like, it's like a solid gold. But I'd imagine they ever had a drink being passed in toilet wine in a lot of years. You know, and uh, I guess that's a big thing. You need that brown liquor to to get to, to fight that cold. Um, the scenes. Um, outside the train, I think, were really something. Because it really builds some tension there. Because the whole plot of the movie is this train is going too fast on the tracks because it doesn't have any brakes. So essentially, it could destroy bridges by, by going too fast, yada, yada, yada. But the only way to stop the train is get to get the lead car. And there's a scene where, um, where Eric Roberts goes outside the train and tries to get there. And of course, John Boyd's screaming at him, be like, Get it, buddy. You got it, man. And then when he comes back inside, like he just tells him what a pussy he is for 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 not going over into this lead car where the train's going ninety miles an hour in the fucking blistering cold of a, of Alaska. Oh man! But they go into Vegas. Gonna go to go to Vegas, man. You know. And I, I love the speech where he that he that he gives him about you know he's saying he's gonna go gonna go. I forget what he says. He's got all these aspirations to go make a big score and yada, yada, yada. But then John Voight lays some truth on him. Like, you're going to get a job that only a convict could do. And when they tell you that you miss a spot, you're going to look down and clean that spot and not say a word, yada, yada, yada. And I thought that was a, a great speech, like a nice wake-up call for this, basically this fucking eight-year-old boy that's tagging along with him, saying he's going to do all these things and... Like lay a little reality on you that that you get great dialogue like that in this film, and I thought that was uh, pretty wonderful. Um, I need more films where John Voight is wearing a Flash T-shirt because the the, the intensity matched the T-shirt in this movie it re- really well. Um, I I don't think Eddie Bunker uh, acted in many things, but I thought he was pretty great in this movie as um, John Voight's old convict friend who's been in there probably since nine, nine, 90 years, you know. I'd imagine Quentin Tarantino saw this film and said, I really like this guy. I'm going to cast him in Reservoir Dogs because he did, he did stuff after... more. He, I think he worked more after Reservoir Dogs than he did ever before that he did this movie. Oh, I, I wouldn't doubt it. But, um, yeah, the film's a lot of fun. If, if you haven't seen it before, I want to say... Kino put it out, or Olive Films, one of those, it's on a Blu-ray somewhere for, for you guys to purchase, and those guys are always having sales, so you guys should get it for like $9 or next to nothing when those sales happen. Number one with a bullet, I don't know, maybe buy the disc and burn on an effigy, if, you, <laughs> if it exists, I, 
I would recommend buying that movie. That's why I didn't really seek out who put it out. It might even be a Twilight Time Blu-ray, which means it's probably highly out of print. So hopefully somebody picks that up if they haven't already and puts that out again. Um, a Runaway Train, though, first time watch for me. Uh, it, it, it's up there, and all the all the Eric Roberts stuff I've seen, it's up there as far as my favorite Eric Roberts stuff. Because he's just, uh, his intensity is, uh, you should, you, should, you should harness that in, like, Power Las Vegas, where they're supposedly going with it. Because he's, uh, he's pretty intense in this movie, and just... He just seems really happy to be on this cold ass train, and I, it made it all for for a better movie. Him screaming at Manny and you know, doing that accent and acting crazy. But uh, I'll ask Suzanne now. Anything else she'd like to say about Runaway Train? It's it like I said, I it's a great adventure movie. The uh, the scenes on the train and the the just the action sequences when it's going through bridges and. It's incredibly well shot. It's a great story. I I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I'll give it like an eight. Cool. Uh, I enjoyed it too. Um, I give it an eight too. I mean, I I, I recommend it to anybody who's never seen it before. I, I was a first time watcher this film. I've heard it before, um, naturally, and uh, never pulled the trigger on it until this show. So, God bless those crazy Israelis for doing something fun or producing something fun and uh. Not ripping off a, an, a better 80s action movie. So, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but next, up next, we're going to talk about some dead people and close out the show. Hello, and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I am Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, bark, bark. and he said, bark, bark, bark. she said, bark, 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 bark. that's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. which one is crying? <laughs> the boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show is available on HelloDoomedShow.com. Automatic.com and doomedmoviethon.com. Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava. It's the Doom Show. Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show. Slashers, Giallo, and Horror. Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. The Projection Booth is single-handedly the greatest film podcast you could ever listen to or could possibly want. Top notch. Five stars. This has quickly become one of my favorite film-related podcasts. Always interesting. A completely unpretentious yet fully comprehensive look at films from all genres. This podcast is an amazing resource and one that helps in the discovery or rediscovery of films for anyone who enjoys thinking about cinema. If you love movies and podcasts, subscribe and enjoy the projection booth every episode is beautifully crafted to give you a true audio experience a wonderful companion to the films they cover the projection booth is awesome a wide range of films covered from classic to cult to contemporary thoroughly researched very entertaining and always informative the amount of work and effort that goes into this podcast is something to behold interviews critiques music and trailers these are just the tip of the encyclopedic completeness each episode holds. It's also really fun. I listen to a lot of movie podcasts, and there are a lot of really good ones out there. 
But the projection booth is by far the only one I listen to with any regularity. It's like a special features disc of your favorite Criterion Collection release. Projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. Now here comes the unfortunate segment that um, sometimes makes us sad and stuff. And I, I guarantee this one will. Uh, notice the butcher's block. Uh, first up, we'll, we'll do two on here because um, these are two pretty important people. Well, one in my life and one by reputation, but not not dwarfed by anything. Charlotte Ray passed away at 92 years old. Uh, you guys may know her as Mrs. Garrett from First Different Strokes and the Facts of Life. Um, she was a stage actress first, and then uh, became a, a, a screen actress. And um, like, like I said, I, I I had a sister who watched a lot of Facts of Life. So you know what? I watched a lot of Facts of Life. It, it was in it was in that uh, it was in that block of shows on the USA Network during the summertime, right there with Parker Lewis Can't Lose and Just the Ten of Us and all those shows that came on. I can't leave out American Gladiators, of course, but um. It was like it was like a friend that that that, that hung out and uh, Mrs. Garrett was a big part of those shows and the ones where she was on different strokes and of course was later replaced not not replaced she she had the spinoff show Facts of Life and uh she was then replaced by by Cloris Leachman later on I forget what exactly happened there but um Charlotte Ray was a she was a film actress a stage actress a TV actress she she pretty much did it all she she was even a singer. But um, I'm going to kick it to Suzanne now and uh, ask her what she uh, thinks about Charlotte Ray. Oh, I grew up with Charlotte Ray and Mrs. Garrett. I watched Different Strokes. I watched Facts of Life. And I, I quit watching Facts of Life when uh, Cloris Leachman took over the role. She was, like I said, I grew up with her. It was like, I, I look forward to seeing her every week and... It, it was it was so sad, but she had obviously led a very long and happy life. I, I think one of the funniest things I've ever seen her in. So, she was so random. She shows up in the the underrated Adam Sandler classic. You don't mess with the Zohan, as as one of the Zohan's plowies in the in the salon. <laughs> oh my god! Ever, no way! You've never seen this film before. Um, <laughs> Zohan is a is 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 an Israeli. Uh, assassin operative who has designs and dreams of becoming a hairdresser so he goes to the US and does so well the big attraction to him at the salon is that he fucks all of his clients and Mrs. Garrett is one of his one of his clients that he plows in this movie oh god oh god oh god no 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 oh, we'll watch this one day Suzanne you're gonna laugh I, I think it's very funny you know oh wow oh but yeah, Mrs. Garrett, Charlotte Ray, we salute you. We love you. We cherish you. And now you're long, no longer with us, but 92 is a long life for anybody to live. And uh wish you the best in the in the world beyond. Um, Speaking of guys who went beyond the call of duty. Uh, I love to say Chicago is on, but he will be forever a Blackhawk, as he said. We lost Stan Makita uh, recently at the age of 78. This past Tuesday, actually. And, um, yeah, he gave a lot of years to, to the Blackhawks organization. 22-year career with the Blackhawks, uh, leading them to a 1961 Stanley Cup win. And, uh, man, all-time franchise leader in points 
and games played, almost gave 1,400 games to the Blackhawks, and is his second in franchise history in goal with 541 goals. I mean, these, this is way, way back in the day where they didn't wear helmets, people, in case you guys didn't know that was a thing. So these are the true, these were the true Iron Men of, of, of the NHL, not like now where, you know, well, they don't have goons now to, to, to knock people over, but these guys were, these guys were tough because they had to be tough back in the day. And, you know, you have a lot of guys now that they go where the money is, but this guy gave 22 years to one team and gave, gave a lot to, to, to this one team and loved this one team until the, the day he died. I'm sure he's still loving him right now, even when, you know, Corey Crawford's a punk and he's saying, I'm still not quite ready yet. I'm sure Stan was right there <laughs> just saying, you know what, everything's going to be all right because at the end of the day, there's going to be hockey on TV and, you know, games to go to. And he was a a consummate ambassador of that team, the team that I love and hate at the same time. You know, the, o- the only Chicago sports team that I still love is that team. So, uh, Mr. Makita, uh, again, I love you. I cherish your brother. And uh, you'll be joining all those greats and then and, and just maybe playing that big rink in the sky, brother. Uh, but Suzanne, what do you think of the great Stanley Makita? Oh, God. he Legend. Legend in Chicago sport. Hell, in hockey, period. And it was really sad to hear about his passing. And uh, hopefully he's still going to keep an eye on the Blackhawks. God knows right now they need it. Stan, if you're listening, tell Corey Crawford to get, get together all over. Whatever fucking psychological bullshit he's got going on right now in his head. Maybe his wife ain't fucking him right. Maybe he's drinking too much. Whatever is making him say he's not ready yet. Uh, help give us a winning season, okay? I, I'd really appreciate please? it. Please, Stan. Please. You know. <laughs> Last season was disappointing at best, but um. Oh, I couldn't. I could barely watch a game. <laughs> I'd watch the first period, and I'm like, "Oh God, no!" Oh man, no. Make, make me love Chicago sports again, Stan, please. Cause I, I'm not. I'm not in love with them right now. We the we got Bears football coming up, which looks promising, but they're probably gonna suck. You know. Oh God, <laughs> they played so bad. Well, that's preseason, so you can't judge pre-judge preseason. I know you can't, but still, it with even when they had the first stringers out, it looked bad. <laughs> Man, that's about it for this one, though. Um, as far as death goes, there's there's other folks, I'm sure, but those are the two bigs that passed in the last time we recorded. But Suzanne, uh, whatever you got coming out, push it now. I know Jason Lloyd finally put out one of them goddamn commentaries, so uh, go for yeah, it. Yeah, we just. Uh, put out basket case we did all three basket case movies so that dropped the other day which means i hopefully next week basket case two will drop and shark month is probably going to be like september at the rate things are going it's going so yeah look for those yeah this show and the two drink minimum commentaries can both be found at legionpodcast.com um sloppy seconds the Horophilia Network. I'm working on. I, I it's been recorded a long time and I, I haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm I'm working on it today to, to get it out. Hopefully, in Jason's hands by tonight in a Monday morning release as we're recording this. Hopefully, that's gonna happen. Um, it's about the trilogy on that one. Um, Fleas and Flicks charity auction. I've already picked some stuff up from from one con. Hopefully, you guys saw that and uh, a Facebook post. 
I'll be setting up another event page and putting all the items on there for you guys to bid on. And um, I'm hoping for a lot of participation this time. Last time the website got a little janky, and so I didn't get a lot of participation. But this time, it's going to be different. It's going to be on a Facebook event. And uh, we're going to do this for the South Suburban Humane Society. And I hope you guys all can come out. Um, Twitter at GW, Twitter at CinevivCast. Come and enjoy all the great shows on LegionPodcast.com. Uh, working hard, you know. I just I just spent the yesterday morning listening to Andrew and Maddie on their Friday the Thirteenth podcast. That's very entertaining, you know. I learned stuff about gay shower sex I never knew about, but you know, <laughs> thanks thanks for letting me know about that, guys. I really appreciate that. It was just a quick thing, so don't make yourself too uncomfortable. I'm sorry, guys, but not really sorry, but not sorry, you know. Um, I, li- I live in a world where if I go into a gay neighborhood, I'm a catch. So I, I'm because people love that fucking bearded shit, and you know. I may need a, a gay Sherpa to walk down Halstead and on, uh, and on the north side and say, hey, how you doing? You know, <laughs> I, 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 I like to fancy myself as 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 bro, as bro sexual. Like, you know, hey, I, I'm comfortable with my sexuality where I, where I like women. But I can come to another dude and say, you know what? You wear that shirt well. It looks good on you. You know, and, you know, that, that, and that's fine. You know, but uh, <laughs> here we are. We are Legion. We are united. All kind of, all walks of life, people. But um, next up should be the episode uh, known as Blood for Cubicles, uh, which is programmed by the love of Dan Chase's life, Lacey Lou, and they'll Dan they'll both be uh, joining us on that show. Where we do mayhem in office space, and uh, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. We should have a full crew for that one. So listen for that um, sometime next week. If everything goes correctly, you know, there's always that little chance for scheduling fucks up. This is the life of the producer people. Getting people all together saying, hey, when do you want to do this show? No response, no response, no response. I'm talking to you, Jammins. I'm talking to you. Love you. I'm talking to you. You know, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it at that and say thank you for listening. And in, this has been your Cine Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.
Another day might be too late 